Today is Pentecost Sunday, 40 days since Easter. And uh, Pentecost Sunday is that day when, you know, they're all in the upper room and hanging out, 120 of them. And the Holy Spirit's poured out and they start speaking in tongues. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? And so they all start going on and, you know, and what I love about this day is, you know, you've got people like Peter who is, you know, he's there and, and he's got foot and mouth disease the whole time Jesus is around and he, you know, messes this up and occasionally has this great revelation and then, you know, it's called Satan to get behind Jesus and things like this and he goes from one extreme to the other. But on this day, this guy who bumbles through the previous three years with Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's poured out in 120 people and they all start speaking in other tongues and at Pentecost was a feast in Jerusalem and so people came from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And so they spoke whole of languages and, and so on and, and when they started speaking in tongues, they were speaking in the languages of the people who were in the, in the city at the time. And Peter gets up in the middle of this, Peter who, who messed up constantly, Peter who always said the wrong thing, and Peter who ran away when Jesus was arrested, stands up in the face of, of the, all the, the Jews there and basically interprets what's being prophesied in the different languages of the people there. Because they got accused of being drunk, you know, oh look, they're all babbling on, they're drunk and so on. And he goes, look, it's nine o'clock in the morning, nobody's drunk. This is what Joel prophesied. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And basically, he gets in their face and says, you killed the Messiah. Not a popular thing to do. Because when he, gets, when he got under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, boldness rises up within him. He sees things as God sees them, and he speaks the words of truth. And about 3,000 people get saved. That's power of the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday night at Spirit School, we talked about unlimited boundaries. And I want to actually pull a little bit out of that, talk about that today, and then talk about how that all relates to, to Pentecost and to us today. And last week, and let me start with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I love this. This is one of my favorite passages of Ephesians 3. In fact, I just love the book of Ephesians, this book I just read through and read through and just get so much stuff out of it. But it says in verse, verse 20, Now to him, being God, who was able to do exceedingly abundantly, say exceedingly abundant. Exceedingly abundant. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's not just him who can do something, but he who can do exceedingly abundance. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I want you to think of the best scenario you could ever be in right now. I know it's here in church. <laughs> but it's, you know, when, you, when you leave here and you step out the door and you're heading off, dream a dream. What would be your ideal? What, what would be the best thing that could happen to you today? Think about that. You know, would it be to sitting on the Whit Sundays on the beach? Would it be having all your debts paid off? Would it be the, the man or woman of your life walking into your life? <laughs> Start raining money. <laughs> Would it be healing and wholeness? Restoration? 
It doesn't matter what you can ask or what you can think. This verse says that God can do exceedingly abundantly above it. No matter how wild your dreams are, God can do exceedingly abundantly above that. But like this, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church. You see, we have this thinking that is conditioned by the world that says life is like this. You come into life, you live life, you know, you, you go through school, you get, leave school, you have your education, you go and get a job, you get married, you have kids, you have grandkids, and you die. Yeah, that's, that's life, isn't it? Isn't that life summed up? Isn't that the world says is life? And somewhere in there, you'll probably get sick several times. You go into debt and have stress about that and then try and get yourself out of that. And you hope that by the time you retire, everything's good and you get a few good years at the end. <coughs> that's, that's the world system in front of us, isn't it? That was never God's system. When he made Adam and Eve, first of all, he didn't have to go to school. Isn't that so cool? Probably because they're adults. But they didn't have to go to school. They hung out with God all day. And it says there was no toil. They were under the blessing. They lived in, in Eden, where the water flowed from the throne of heaven and, and out into the garden. And everything was good. They didn't have financial problems, they didn't have sickness. Didn't have to deal with disease, didn't have to deal with anything. They were in perfection. They got to hang out with God every day. And the only job they had was to keep expanding the garden all around the world. And then we know what happened, you know, they they sinned, gave that authority over, the authority of the earth. But we know that Jesus came and he took that back. And he says he stomped on the devil's head. All right? So if you're looking for Satan, he's actually under your feet. Did you know that? So the Bible says, says you'll get your foot on Satan's head. Now, if he's yelling and screaming down there, you don't look at him, you just stand on him. Yeah, go Isabella. So... So we're born into this system, the worldly system, that says you live, you die, that's it, right? But when you became born again, you actually left that system. Did you know that? You left the old system of debt. You left the old system of sickness. You left the old system that said your life is limited. And you stepped into a new kingdom, a new reality. That's why the verse says in Romans that we are dead to ourselves. And we're what? We're alive in Christ. I don't think you're getting this. This isn't getting it. This, this is, is it just too cold? Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to get this. You see, when you were born again into this system, what needs to happen then is our thinking needs to change. Because however many years it was until you became a Christian, you learned to think a certain way. That said, if you want to get ahead in life, you've got to go into lots of debt. 
It said that if you know that sickness and stuff is going to come your way and you get to deal with the cards that are dealt to you and that's your life. All right? It's a way of no hope, a way of nothing. But God's system is totally different. That's why Romans says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you're actually already in Christ. You are a new creation. The old has what? It's passed away. So all of your old life is actually gone from your life. You actually have none of your old life. You are a new creature in Christ. The word there is like being reborn like a baby is reborn. All right, when a baby is born, it is complete new life. There is no history, is there? Is there a history to a baby? There's no history. It's a new life. And that's what you have in Christ. When you are born again, you have no history. You've got new life. Whatever happened 10 years ago doesn't matter. As far as God's concerned, it never happened. It never happened. If you got saved right now, what happened 10 minutes ago didn't happen. As far as God's concerned, you are a new creation in Christ. That's why they use the term born again. Oh, look, I'm preaching better than you guys are saying that. All right. So when you are born again into this new life, your whole paradigm of life changes. You actually go, you, you go, thanks, right? You go from limited thinking, limit to what you can do because you're a person, you're a man or a woman and you are limited to what your physical body can do. Right? Because you're limited. Your thinking, your actions, everything you can do are limited to what this world says. This is how it is. But when you got born again, you actually entered the unlimited. All limits are off. Because you entered into a relationship and a covenant, and you are now found in Christ, who says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. So we've got to change our thinking away from, I can only do this, to I can do anything. And I mean anything. Look through the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's three guys that refuse. I'm spitting away here. Here's three guys. Putting out the fire. Three guys. Who, you know, they refuse to bow down to this idol. This, the king makes this rule. Here's an idol of me for the next 30 days. Everybody has to bow down to this idol. Whenever you hear the music, you bow down. These guys wouldn't bow down. And they worked in the palace. So there was no hiding. Because they said there's only one true God and we only bow the knee to him. And so the king says, this ain't on, you've got to bow down. They go, we ain't bowing down. No matter what you do, we're not going to bow down. He says, Stoke up the furnace and make it seven times hotter. So they put this fire and they get hot. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turn to the king and they go, even if our king doesn't deliver us, it doesn't matter. We still will not bow down. And so they drag them over to the furnace and the guys throwing them in to the furnace all died because this fire was so hot. But these guys bound get thrown in the fire. And after a few seconds, they're standing up in the fire. With Jesus. 
And the king looks in and he goes, we threw three guys in. I see four walking around. And the fourth is like the son of God. And the king freaks out and calls them back out. And they walk back out. They don't even smell a smoke. That's the thinking we've got to get into. See, we think, ooh, fire, burn. Yeah? Touch fire, burn hand. Jump on fire, burn body. That's limited thinking. Adam and Eve never lived under that. If there'd been a fire in the Garden of Eden, they could have stood in the middle of it and it would not have touched them. You see, everything was made to serve us. We have dominion over the earth. Oh, you're getting there. All right. So Jesus has to get from one side of a lake to the other. Most people jump in a boat. Not Jesus. What does he do? He walks on water. What does he say to Peter? Walk on water. Get out of the boat. Come walk on the water. Yeah, Peter sunk after a few steps, but Peter walked on water. Because that's the thinking we're supposed to have. Unlimited thinking. You have the power. You know, the monks throughout the centuries are known for walking on water. They used to go like jet skiing. Throughout church history. It's called miraculous transport. Justin might talk about it. This is in our history. Why? Because our thinking needs to go from I can't do this to all things are possible in Jesus. And we go and we spiritualize it and go, oh, it's only for special people and it's only for special situations. Hogwash. You know, you know God's into fun. I was, I was sitting at home the other day and I was actually preparing the sermon and stuff and I'm hanging out and I, I said, God, I just want to know what you're doing. I just want to know what you're doing. And, you know, feeling very spiritual and very deep and, you know, you know God, God's moving over here and touching these people and maybe he's healing and maybe setting people free. And, and God gave me a glimpse of heaven. Do you know what God was doing with the angels of heaven? He was doing the twist. I kid you not. There's God and the angels. I just cracked up for the next 20 minutes. Because here's me being all deep and serious. God is not that serious. He likes fun. It's, it's religion that's made it all very serious and very, oh, it has to be this. I mean, no wonder the world's depressed. Look at the church. Half of us are depressed. Don't take that as a criticism. We're just going to change that. Because we're caught in a system and a way of thinking that says, you know, oh, it has to be very deep and it has to be very serious or it's not spiritual. And we'll go to the footy and we'll, I mean, we yell and scream. I was at Ben's soccer game yesterday and the coach is standing there not saying a thing. Now, in my opinion, if you're a coach, you yell. And so I'm there with three other parents and we're yelling. And we all look at each other and go, we're going to get busted by our kids. But who cares? We're yelling. You know, we're encouraging the players and we're, you know, going for it. I don't know, if I go to the footy, I don't just sit there and go, oh, yes, it's with the football. Hallelujah. 
Can you imagine Debbie doing that at the football? You know, when the Eagles are actually trouncing the crows, can you imagine Debbie sitting there? I, I love, love the scarf one, you know, had the Eagle scarf and the Docker scarf. The Docker scarf you had to tie up because nothing on it. This one had all the premiership years on it. <laughs> I know. But, but this is God. God doesn't have limited thinking and he's not boring. And, you know, I mean, he gets Daniel and Daniel's thrown in the lion's den. What did Daniel do? He had a good night's sleep because an angel turns up and closes. The king's upstairs fretting. It says he's, the Bible says he's pacing and, you know, oh, God, do something. You know. Daniel's asleep. You know, he gets one of the lines and pads up the mane and oh, nice pillow. Because the angel's there and shutting their mouths. See, limited thinking says end up in lion cage, end up lion dinner. But God thinking says we have dominion and authority over every situation. You know, Moses, Joshua, Elijah and Elisha all parted waters. Do you know that? They all parted the waters. You know, Elisha, I love love Elisha. You know, he gets Elijah's coat and goes, he can do it, I can do it. Wax the water. Water parts. I mean, come on. I mean, Elijah's the sort of guy that, you know, a couple of young kids are calling him baldy, so he sets a bear on them. (laughs) See, we have this limited thinking that says, according to the world, this is how it has to be. But we've got to break out of that thinking that anything is possible for you. You know, you you get Philip, you know, the deacon, he's out there running next to a chariot. Now, chariots don't go slow. But he's running next to a chariot, having a conversation. I don't know about your running skills, but, you know, I can run, but having a conversation at the same time, not probably going to happen. But he does. And then he gets the eunuch out, gets him saved, baptizes him, and then he flies to the next town. He flies. Yeah, there's no, you know, here's my Virgin Airline, you know, no, no, we're going Qantas, sorry, you know, no, no. He goes, air God. (laughs) And flies to the next town. Hundreds of miles away. This is the sort of thinking we should be in. This is what the New Testament church was in. You know, they walk in, there's a guy sick, he stands up and he's healed. This is the power we have flowing through us. This is the dominion we have. And it's happened since Bible times. You know, the first Bible translators, they took them and they tried to burn them at the stake. And they couldn't burn them because they wouldn't burn. They took John, who wrote Revelation on Patmos, and they actually dropped him into a big tub of boiling oil, tried to cook him. And he popped back out and he went, hey, how's it doing? They put him back in again and pulled him back out. Hey, nice warm bath. Thanks, guys. And so they couldn't kill him. So they had to exile him to this island and no one knows what happened to him. He's still walking around somewhere. You know, there were rumors in the early church that he was the one who couldn't die because of what Jesus said. He lived it out. Enoch didn't die. He was just caught up with God. Elijah didn't die. He's walking down the road with Elisha and this chariot comes from heaven, jumps on the chariot and he's up back into heaven. You don't have to die. Because 
Who died for us? See, when did death come in? It came with sin, didn't it? So when did death disappear? Who became death for us? Jesus. Is that blowing your mind? You don't have to die. You can actually live forever. Is this messing with your head? <laughs> then let me mess with your head. Because that's, that's John. John just disappeared. Elijah, Enoch. And see, God is not a respecter of persons. What is he a respecter of? He's a respecter of faith. That if you can believe it, God can do it. Let, let me give you a revelation I've had which I sort of shared Sunday night. But, but I find that actually most people have faith to believe things. But the issue comes is not that they believe that God will do it. The issue comes is that they don't think they're good enough. And that's actually what blocks it. You know, it's, yeah, I believe God. I believe God can do it. I see it in his word. I've seen it. God can do it. God will do it. God will do it for me, but oh, I'm so unworthy. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me read it to you. Connect, guys, we're way off notes now. So just take a note. You can follow it through. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me read this to you very carefully. Listen to this. This is the key to getting your prayers answered. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, you are God's representative right here. Yeah. All right? As an ambassador, you have every right. Like if I was an ambassador for Australia in Russia, I would have every right of an Australian citizen in the middle of Russia. Yeah. All right? Let's not go. It's a whole other sermon. All right. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. All right? So get yourself right with God. For he made him who knew no sin... To be sin for us. In other words, Jesus became sin for us. So every bit of sin we had is now placed upon Jesus. So Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. All right? It's like a transaction. You know, when I worked in the bank, for every debit, there had to be a credit. For every credit, there had to be a debit. And the guys would come to me sometimes with reports and they'd go, I've got this amount of money here. I don't know what to do with it. Because they couldn't just leave it. It had to have a credit or a debit to go with it. And so we have to go through and I remember once they messed up this whole report and there was about $25,000, in this report of money that just didn't have any balancing, it didn't have anywhere to go. And we had to go through and work through and go, where's the mistakes being made and so on? Because for every debit, there has to be a credit. That's the system that the world has. And so, so Jesus stepped in the middle of that system and said, okay, I'm going to take your debit and make you whole. I'm going to take your sin and give you what? My righteousness. Because yeah, he goes on to say that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. So you are the righteousness of God. Amen. You actually have no more sin on you. You could literally have killed somebody before you walked in here. And you could repent honestly before God. And you would be without sin. Totally without sin. I don't recommend it. 
But understand, it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus does not have any record of it. You can go to him and say, God, I'm so sorry. And he will say to you, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because Jesus took all of your sin. He looked down through the ages and saw you and took all of your sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. So you are God's righteousness. In other words, you're in him, it says, and you have taken on his full righteousness. It's like Jesus is over the top of you. So all that can be seen, it's like you can hide in him. Just get out and... You are the righteousness of God. And when you understand that you are right before God, you suddenly realize that you are worthy to receive whatever you're believing for. That you can step into the supernatural because you are now a supernatural being. You stop being a natural being when you got saved. You can hear God's voice. People say to me, oh, I don't know. I can't hear God's voice. Yes, you can. If you've been saying that, stop saying you can't. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. And you are his sheep. So you need to say, I know the voice of God. You'll hear it different to somebody else. Right? God speaks to me differently the way he talks to Dale, to the way he talks to you. Because you're unique in him. But he will speak to you through his word. He will drop thoughts and impressions into you. Or he will pull you into the heavenlies. Because you see, you're a supernatural being. You can actually go into heaven now. Yeah. And that's a whole nother sermon. Yeah. But that's how I could see what God was doing in heaven. He's doing the twist. Because he gives you... See, we have this thing that death is our doorway to heaven. No, no. Death is the end of your natural being. You actually have... The full access to heaven. This was a real revelation to me this year. I sort of saw this and then I really saw this. Because, you know, Jesus says, I stand at the gates. And it says, you can come in and out of me. In and out. I always thought we just went in. But you can go in and out of heaven. Oh, I'm not spiritual enough. I don't know enough. You don't have to know anything. You just have to know Jesus. And he will show you the mysteries of heaven. See, that's what happened on Pentecost. They started speaking in tongues and they discovered the mysteries of heaven. They stepped into a supernatural realm that has not ended. And it's a supernatural realm that we can step into. You can, if you whatever, whatever situation you're facing, God has an answer for it. If you're facing debt, God has a way to get you out of debt. He's got a supernatural way of doing it. You can start speaking in tongues. You can step into the heavenlies, whatever you want to do. But you start speaking in tongues before him. He will reveal to you a way out of it. If you're facing impossible situations, you can ask God. He will give you supernatural results. I am not that bright. Don't tell anyone. But I'm not that smart. All right, my grades through school were pretty average. But I get asked by people the answer to situations. And I don't know what the answer is, but I know God does. And I find that when you ask, he gives you supernatural wisdom and opens up opportunities and you're able to seek in a situation. And they go, that's a fantastic idea. And I go, it is, isn't it? Wish I'd thought of it. I don't say that. I just smile. God's good. 
Because God has his favour on you because you are a supernatural being. You have dominion here on earth. You know, you could be running your business and going, man, we're not getting enough business in, or we're not getting enough of this, or we're not sure to do about that contract, or this and that. And you can actually go to God and he will give you a solution in getting out of that situation. He will take you through. He'll tell you which contracts to go for. Maybe you think, I need to get into business. He will show you businesses you can get into. You see, we are supposed to be the dominion. We have that dominion. We have that authority. Here on earth, everyone else is just working on their physical mind, their, you know, their five senses. But you've got a sixth sense called Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You aren't supposed to live by your five senses. Do you get that? Because when you live by your five senses, you live by what you can see, by what's in front of you, what's around you. That's not how you're supposed to live because you are supernatural. To the person next to you and say, I'm supernatural. (laughs) That means you have a sixth sense called Holy Spirit. Don't want to relegate Holy Spirit just down to a sense. But that's where you're supposed to operate is in the heavenly realms. Because when you walk in the heavenly realms, you get to see what's really happening and you understand the dominion and you see things from God's perspective. See, we've spent all our lives looking from our, from man's perspective. Looking up and going, will I ever get through with this? Will I ever overcome it? That's not how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to live looking from God's perspective. And speaking into it, he's given you the power to speak into situations and cause the outcome. We've got to change how we think. Romans says, Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, change your thinking away from worldly thinking that says it can't happen into godly thinking that says all things are possible to those who believe. We've got to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. He sees you as his righteousness. In other words, when he looks at you, he sees himself. This is just your mortal body. It's not important. It's what's in here is who the real you is. And that's what God sees because he sees himself. You are his righteousness because you are his. We've got to change our thinking, people. We've got to see what God's really doing. You know, we we should be out there sharing our faith. Because that's what we do as ambassadors. We promote our country. We promote our kingdom. That should be first on our agenda. But we think and go, oh, it's too hard because that's mortal thinking. Renew our mind. You know the number one way to renew your mind? You've got to read this. You've got to read your Bible. Just read through the New Testament. Read through it. Read through it till it sinks in. Then read it again and read it again and read it again and God will start to speak to you out of it. Heard a guy say this this week. He says, you have the relationship with God that you want. I thought, that's powerful. Think about that. You have the relationship with God that you really want. You see, if you wanted more relationship with God, you would choose to spend more time with God. Yeah. 
If you wanted more of God's power and his love flowing through you, then you would choose to spend more time reading his word, more time in prayer, more time hanging out with him. Because that's where it comes from. If we abide in him and his word abide in us, John 15 says, you will have whatever you ask. But we have to abide in him and his word abide in us. So you have the level of relationship with God that you really want. You want more, then you have to make the change. Because God's not up there holding back. God's standing right next to you. Going, I want more. Give me more of you. More. Hang out with me. It's up to us. Change your thinking. Change how you see life. Step into all that he has for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are unlimited, that we are supernatural beings, filled with your Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray more of you in our lives. Lord, show us where our thinking is wrong. Show us where we've, we've lost our focus, where we're holding on to our old lives. Show us who we are in you, that you may be glorified through us. Lord, I want to bless every person here with every spiritual blessing. Lord, that it be poured out upon each person now in Jesus' name, that you be glorified through us. We just want to bless you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.